Dear friends in Jesus Christ, sometimes our lives can be difficult. Sometimes they can be very difficult. When they become very difficult, sometimes we can get depressed, we can get down, and it kind of seems like a positive outcome is virtually impossible. Well, when that happens, I encourage you to take a look at Psalm 40, which is what we're going to look at today, and I hope that gives you some encouragement. We're going to work our way through it today uh, fairly quickly, but I hope you can pick up some good things that will be helpful during those difficult times of life. What I want you to know here is with this psalm, it is pointing to the Lord's help in three different ways. So first of all, when we think about the psalm, we should think about King David, but before he was king. So he was anointed with oil by Samuel to be the next king. But when he was anointed, that was a time when Saul was still the king. And when Saul found out about that, Saul tried for himself and with his army, tried to put David to death multiple times. That was a difficult situation. Also, the psalm is about our Lord Jesus Christ when he suffered and died to take away our sins. Imagine how super difficult that was. Think about Jesus' prayer where he prayed, Father, if there is some other way to save the world, please take that other way, but not my will, but rather your will be done. In other words, Father, if it's your will for me to go to the cross, I'm willing to do it. That was a difficult time for our Lord Jesus Christ. And what about for us? We have our own times of great difficulty sometimes. So again, we can find some helpful things here in Psalm 40. Even though we might be tempted to give up when something seems really difficult, let us never give up, but rather let us always keep trusting in the Lord no matter what, okay? So what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to give you each verse and then talk about it briefly and go right through the 11 verses here. So verse number one, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. So I think when life becomes increasingly difficult, I think it's kind of normal for us to become increasingly impatient. It's easy to do that, but God is calling us to be patient. Now think about David. Think about even our Lord Jesus Christ. They waited patiently. They were confident in the Almighty God because they knew that the Almighty God knew about their needs, heard their prayers, and at the right time, he would take action. Isn't that a great idea for us? to realize what God knows, to be confident, to be trusting in him, and wait for him to take action. In verse 2, the Bible says, he, talking here about the Lord, talking about God the Father, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. So think about when David is being hunted by the king and his army. Or think about when Jesus was being severely beaten even before he was nailed to the cross. They must have felt like they were in the bottom of a pit and maybe they were up to their knees in, 
in mud. Have you ever had that situation where maybe you're trying to work out in the yard, it's so soft, you've got your boots on, you're sinking in like this far, and you try to lift your foot up, and your boot is wanting to stay in the mud. It's like miserable. But maybe for David, for Jesus, it just seemed like that miserable kind of a situation. But did you notice what it said, though? Then the Lord set my feet upon a rock and made my steps secure. So it was like such a bad situation, and yet the Lord turned it into such a good situation. So God can do that. What ended up being the outcome then, that would be verse 3, he, that is the Lord, put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So with the Lord, he delivered David from being put to death. With the Lord God, our Father, he raised the body of Jesus back to life. When he died on the cross, it looked like, oh, that's it. It's all over. But yet God the Father raised him back to life. For David and for Jesus, what did they do? They are praising the God of heaven. They are giving testimony. And when people knew about David's situation, when they knew about the situation of Jesus, and then God turned things around, that is causing other people to be encouraged. That is causing other people to praise the Lord God Almighty. Verse 4, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Now, when it comes to trust, we have many options out there of people or things we can trust. Just to give you an example, now we can trust in the Lord God Almighty, or we could trust in some arrogant person who thinks he knows everything. Do we have some people like that in the world? Sure. Or we could trust in false gods. So we have many options here, but hopefully for us, this is a no-brainer that we are going to trust in the Lord God Almighty. We know that's the place for our trust. What are some reasons why we should trust him? He's the one who made us. He's the one who loves us. He's the one who sustains us, providing all that we need. And he is the one who sent his son to save us. Those are all great reasons to trust in the Lord God Almighty. Verse 5, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Imagine if somebody said to you, here, I'll give you a whole stack of paper, you sit down, go all the way back to your earliest recollection, and start writing down all the different blessings that God has showered upon you over all the years of your life. It would be completely impossible to be able to recall all such things. But what God wants us to do, though, is to realize how much we have been blessed and to give him thanks. One thing I did in this section in the sermon 
is I thought about what Dr. Luther wrote in connection with the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. So it's a little bit of an all-inclusive list that he comes up with. So Dr. Luther asked the question, what is meant by daily bread? And then he gave this answer. Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, a good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. So that's a pretty big list there. Are those all the blessings that God has given us? Well, maybe when he says at the end, and the like. So similar type thing, sure, but there are so many ways God has blessed us. So let us remember such things. Let us express our thanks to God. Let us live with gratitude. Let us tell others what our great Lord has done for us. Verses 6, 7, and 8 are almost identical to what we have in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, verses 5, 6, and 7, and it tells us there that those are the words of Jesus. So some of these words here, we can apply them only to Jesus. Some of them, we can still apply them to David, to Jesus, and to us. So verse 6 Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. So I want to go back to the topic of sacrifice for a moment. So why did God command all those sacrifices in the Old Testament? Did God want people to keep like going through this ritual of sacrifice? Was that the reason for it? I don't believe that was a reason at all. I believe God commanded it in order to try to get to the people's heart. God wanted to get them thinking about their sins. God wanted them to be truly sorry for their sins. God wanted them to be trusting in the coming Messiah who would come, who would be the Christ, who would take away the sin of the world. That was the reason for the sacrifices. And then thinking about prayer for a moment, think about David. The Bible says that he was a man after the Lord's own heart. Or when we think about Jesus, we know he was a sinless son of God, so certainly the Lord was hearing their prayers. I want to share with you one verse about prayer. So some people get this idea that, oh, with every prayer in the whole world, God is hearing them. But that's not true. In Proverbs chapter 15, it says, the Lord is far from the wicked, talking about the unrepentant. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Who are righteous? Those are the ones who have that God-given faith in Jesus and sorrow for their sins. So God wants us to always continue to be sorry. We're always trusting in Jesus. We're always confident that God is hearing our prayers. And then in verse 7, then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. Now those words there, they can only apply to Jesus. So thinking about Jesus, he willingly put on flesh 
and came among us. He willingly, perfectly fulfilled the law for each one of us. He did it in our place. He did it as our perfect substitute. And also, too, he willingly came, well, just like this. He willingly came to bear the sins of the entire world. And when he did come, he fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies, hundreds of them he fulfilled. So we can know so clearly when we look in the Old Testament and we see all those promises, and then we look at the life of Jesus, we see hundreds of them lining up. He is the great fulfiller of all those prophecies. And then in verse 8, I desire to do your will, O my God, your law is written within me. Again, here we're focusing on Jesus. We are thinking about his desire to perfectly do the will of God, even though doing it was so very difficult. So Jesus, he's facing this excruciating pain this horrible agony, this horrible torment of death on a cross, and yet he loves you and me so much. He loves his Father in heaven so much. He was perfectly obedient to the Father, and he endured all of that so that he can clothe us in the righteousness of Christ, even in holy baptism. It all fits together in a wonderful way. And then in verse 9, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. What has the Lord done for us? Because we are sinners, here we were, in a sense, on our way to hell. But yet, because of what Jesus has done, he has snatched us from hell, and he has gifted us with heaven. I mean, this is incredible. So as we live in a fallen world, God wants us to remember that, oh, I deserve hell, but I have heaven through Jesus. So because of that, he wants us to speak and live in ways that honor the Lord and to point other people to Jesus that they might repent, they might believe, and they might receive the gift of eternal life. Verse 10, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. So God has just been so super good to us that he wants us to be open, he wants us to be bold, he wants us to be loving in telling other people about the deliverance of the Lord, the faithfulness of the Lord, the salvation of the Lord, the steadfast love of the Lord. If we're not going to do anything like that, God might as well just connect people to Jesus and then, just like that, take them home to heaven. But we are in Christ for a reason. We are in Christ. We are still here in this fallen world so that we might shine the light of Christ to others so that they can know him too. The final verse here, verse 11, As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. So what is mercy? Mercy 
is when we have sinned and we deserve eternal punishment, mercy is when God holds that back from us, which he has done. Now, what did he do with it? When Jesus was on the cross, he released it upon him. So we are the ones who have done wrong. He is the one who took our punishment. It's completely unfair, but yet it is so wonderful for us, and it shows God's great, great love and the great sacrifice of his son. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, we are in awe of your incredible goodness to us poor sinners. Fill us with great thanksgiving. Cause us to have compassion for other people and help us to make you and your son known to anyone who is willing to listen to us. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.